Amen. Hey, welcome to Sunday. The singing is amazing. There's a part of me that says, no sermons, let's just sing. After you hear the sermon, you might agree. I don't know. You never know. I want to talk about three things with you this morning in three small segments. The service will be a little different today. I want to share three snippets with you this morning. The first part, we're going to talk about the Last Supper. We're going to talk about Jesus going to the garden. And we're going to talk about the resurrection. So in the book of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 14, Luke writes, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. There's a theme that runs through our conversation this morning through all three of these short presentations that I'm going to make. And the theme is basically this. Even when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he was concerned about you and me. And somehow, I want us to take that message home with us. Because the message of the cross is not about us in and of ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves. The message of the cross is what Jesus did for others. And the message that I hope that we'll take with us when we leave this morning is that it's not about me. It's about all of those who are around me. And trying to help them see, maybe just a little bit today, maybe just a glimpse today, that help them see a little bit more about who Jesus is. And we can do that in so many, many ways. But one of the expressions that Jesus says here, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. There's this, there's this word in there that I want us to just think about for a moment. How eager, how eager are you to share anything with anyone about who Jesus is? I hope with all of my heart that there's a longing inside of you that causes you to be like the apostles were when they were being harassed and on the verge of being arrested by the Sanhedrin when one of the apostles stood up and said, look, we can't help but speak his name. You can tell us to be quiet if you want to, but we can't help but speak the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice if we all left here today with a desire in our own hearts to speak about Jesus? Jesus was eager to have this meal with them because he knew what was coming later. Jesus knew in just a few moments he would be betrayed and in a few hours he was going to a cross. But most importantly, Jesus knew when he went to that cross in three days he was going to arise. He knew the end, yes? He knew the end. Hey, let me tell you a secret. I know the end too. Have any of you ever read the book of Revelation? At least two of you in the audience have read the book of Revelation. It's a great book, isn't it? Did you understand any of it? I did. There are two words that I understood about the Revelation. There are two words. The rest of it, whatever. The two words are this. We win. We win. There's a big battle coming. It's going to be a crazy battle. And, and he might call on us who have already passed to be warriors in the battle. I don't know. But I know this. We win. And in spite of what may happen in our lives, or in spite of what may happen in the world, whether you like the politics or you don't, whether you like the, the taxes or you don't, whether you like anything about this world or not, the fact is, for those of us who are in Christ, at the end of it all, we win. And that is what we're talking about. We win. So Jesus says this, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you're not to be like that. 
Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And then Jesus proceeded to wash his disciples' feet. I thought about doing that. One person got the joke. I thought about having a little foot washing going on here this morning. You ever done that in a service? You ever been a part of that? Let me tell you something. That's a little weird. I'm just saying that's a little strange. To have somebody come up here and would take your shoes. Well, you wouldn't. It'd be easy for you. You don't have any socks on. And if you want to know the truth about it, he's wearing shoes very similar to what they would have worn in the days of Jesus because nobody figured out what closed-toed shoes were yet. And it would have been easy to wash his feet. It's harder to wash my feet. Got to take shoes off, socks off. But I've been in those services. Jesus, though, here tells us, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus himself said, I did not come to what? I didn't come to be served, but what? To serve and what? To give my life as a ransom for many. May I invite you on a journey with Jesus to give your life to others in service so that they may know who Jesus is who lives through you and in you. Jesus goes on, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Have any of you ever been like Simon Peter, whose faith was a little waning at times, and who felt a little bit out of place, and who may have even denied the one? Because you didn't stand up and say who he really was. And someone puts you on the spot and says, are you a Christian? And you're just like, we can't talk about that at work. You know where I'm coming from? Jesus understood the heart of those who were around him. He knew that there were going to be times when we would be challenged and that our faith would be challenged and we would even maybe deny him. And he said to Peter, Simon Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And listen carefully to what Jesus says. And when you have turned back, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I know not everyone in here is the ultimate perfect Christian. You're looking at one who's not. My wife can tell you all the stories. There are a few of the others in here who know my Achilles heel. You know my weaknesses, and that's okay. But when we have turned back, that's the beauty of Jesus. Because even as he's going to the cross, he acknowledges that Peter is going to do something for which he will feel bad the rest of his life, but Peter is encouraged by Christ to come back. There's a verse of scripture in Isaiah 53. I know you can't read it very well, but I invite you to read this with me. And after we read this scripture together, Brandon is going to come and lead us in another song. Read this with me, please. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed.
you think of Jesus leaving the supper and going into the garden, all of us are very aware of the suffering he went through, the sweating of the drops of blood, the pain, the agony, the burden of carrying the sins of the entire world on his shoulder. But he asked a simple thing of his favorite three. Sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus is about to be betrayed. And he knows that in a short while, Judas and a group of men with clubs and swords and weaponry will come up from the city to the Garden of Gethsemane and they will take him into custody. But Jesus says to these men, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He prays a prayer himself, Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And we know the rest of the story because God didn't take the cup from him. He let him go to the cross. And he forsake him, he forsook him there. And he turned his back on him. Jesus comes back to these men after he has spent time in prayer and addressing Simon again, maybe because he knew him better than the others. He said, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for just an hour? Watch him pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It just strikes me as being very interesting that twice, as Jesus is in the garden, he tells these men, pray, that you will not fall into temptation. Temptation from what? Life? Pride?
being ashamed? Would you read this with me again? That he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus asked those men to pray that they not fall into temptation. We're now going to take the cup, or excuse me, the bread. I would like to lead us in a prayer. And then as we take this bread this morning, I would like to invite you to pray to yourselves with God that you would not fall into temptation. We take this cup every week in our fellowship of the churches of Christ. And every week we take this. I wonder sometimes, do we think about what we're doing? And do we really understand the significance of this small piece of bread and what it can mean for us? Maybe it's a time again every week for us to pray. Father, keep us from temptation. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this morning and take of this bread together as one body, your church, the bride of Christ, for whom Jesus died, may we remember the warnings and the admonition and the encouragement of Jesus to those three who were with him in the garden. May we all pray that we not be tempted. Most especially tempted so far as to go away from believing in you and in Jesus who made all things possible. By his wounds we are healed. May his body that hung on the cross heal our hearts this day. And allow us to take with joy the bread that truly represents Christ to us and provides us forgiveness of all sins. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. of the resurrection that we are all here. The time in the garden, the last supper, all of those are powerful. They have their own place. But in the end of it all, it's the resurrection that makes the difference. Had Jesus only gone to the cross and taken our sins with him and then was put into the tomb, but he never arose, it's no different than any other man who ever went in the grave. It's a resurrection that matters. 
And I will be so bold as to say this. It's the only thing about it all that doesn't make any earthly human sense. Do you know that? You look at all of the other world religions, all of the other leaders of the world, or whatever you want to call them, they're all still in the grave. You can find where they've been buried. You can go see those things. But there's somebody still there. I've never been to Israel. Maybe I'll go someday. And I'll try to find a place where they tell me this is where Jesus was buried. I don't know if it's the real spot or not, but it's got to be close because it's in Israel, yes? <laughs> and when I see it and there's no one there, that is what gives me hope for resurrection. That is what gives me hope for living. If I had to just live in this world knowing that at the end of my life it was just my life has been lived, I got to be honest, it would be a miserable existence for me. It would be miserable. I'm getting older. I'm only 60 this year. I'm not even 60 yet. But I went for a few walks this week. I did five miles twice in the mountains outside of Tucson. Twice I did that. I'm crazy. I'm trying to lose weight. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you, if that's all there was to life, it would be worthless. I like a lot. I like it a lot. I like being a member of the family of God. I like the fact that I believe in Jesus. I like the fact that there's a resurrection because it gives me hope for something more than this. My wife and I, we're talking, I'm just going to say this. We're talking about buying a house. Hey, hey, woo! We're going to get off a boat. Someday. Don't hold your breath. Don't get your hopes up. Someday we'll get off a boat. But you know what? You know what I thought about driving home yesterday from, from Tucson? You know what I thought about? This house I'm going to buy. This is where I'm going to die. <coughs> this is where I'm going to die. Just a couple of years ago, she went home to be with her mother. Because her mother was dying. And in that house that her mom and dad lived in, 50 years plus, Anne died. And that makes me just a little bit afraid to buy a house. Because <laughs> I think about it and I'm like, no, I don't want this to be where she's going to die. I don't want to lose her. But I know this, even if it happens on the boat, even if she died on the boat or in the car, whatever it is, I know it's not the end. I know it's not the end. It's only the beginning. The only reason we live in this life is to get us ready to go into eternity. There is so much more that's coming. There is so much more to look forward to than living in this miserable existence called humanity. And it's miserable sometimes. You know it is because you're living in it. 207 people this morning didn't get to go home from church and from the hotel they were in in Sri Lanka because there were bombs went off everywhere. 207 people died today. Now let me tell you something. Some of them died with the hope of the resurrection because they were celebrating Easter. Hallelujah is right. I don't want to die today. I don't want any of you to die today. 
I work in the funeral business. Man, I talk to people all the time about funerals, but I always tell them I didn't come here to check you in. <laughs> That's not what this conversation's about, but I know that someday you will check in. And I want you to know that all of us, we're not going to get out of here alive. None of us will get out of here alive. And then, then comes the resurrection. Then comes the real power. I want, you to, I want to remind you of the gospel that's been preached to you, which you received on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you've believed in vain. Paul gets it. If there's not a resurrection, then all of this is in vain. I received what I received. I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Then he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And the church said... Amen. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. I tell you, mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Thank God we get a new body. Amen from anybody. Yes, yes. Some of you don't have hair. Praise be to God you get a new head. Some of you who carry a little extra, you won't maybe have to carry that through eternity. It'll all be beautiful because it's a perfect place. And none of us are perfect here. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable. We'll all be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I've stood at the graveside and more than all of you combined. I've literally buried hundreds and hundreds of people. And I can tell you right now, the greatest time that I have ever standing by that graveside is when I know the person that there is a believer. Because I know that's not the last day that there will be rejoicing in that family. There's going to come another day and then I've stood at graveside. I've even preached funerals for people who didn't believe in anything. I got a phone call one time from a lady. She said, can you preach my brother's sermon at the funeral? I'm like, why me? Because we don't have a preacher. I'm like, okay, well, there were two people showed up for the man's funeral. Me and her. There was nobody else. Nobody. 400 people at my dad's funeral. Hundreds at her mother's funeral. We've filled this place a few times in the last couple of years. Some of you have been here for those funerals. You know what I'm talking about. And you know why? Because of believers. And there's something greater that's coming in. We know that death has no victory over us. And that we conquered death in Christ because of the resurrection. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the victory that we have. I don't know why any of us who are believers go around looking like we've been weaned on a dill pickle. We look mad at the whole world all the time. What is that all about? I see some of us when we come in and out of this building and we look like... I had a friend who used to say a long time ago, give yourself a neck up from the checkup. Let somebody know you're alive and you like being here. We need to think, look, resurrection is real. It is real. When you die, it's not over. That's just the beginning. And all of us, we get to go to the other side. Nothing holds us back. And the beauty of being in the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the beauty of being in the body of Christ, the beauty of believing that He is the Son of God, is that we are not stuck here.
There's a better place. A lot better place. We're going to take the cup now. Because this represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. And the shedding of that blood is what gives all of us hope for eternity. It gives us the promise. Not just the hope, but the promise that there's another life that's coming. And all of our time here in this world, all of the stuff we go through is just stuff that we go through to get us ready for that day. They used to pray in the first century, Lord, come quickly. You want to know why? Personal opinion. Because he just died. And he was just resurrected. And they thought he was coming back quick. As a matter of fact, if you'll read the book of Revelation, you'll see that they were expecting him kind of soon. They didn't know it was going to take a couple thousand years when they wrote that thing. I don't care if it takes another 2,000 years. That's only two days in eternity. Day one, day two. The cup is a representation of the blood of Jesus that he shed for all of us who are believers. Even for those who are not, but if they will just come into the faith, they too can have eternal life in heaven. And death has no victory. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for this cup that we're about to take that truly represents for us the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for our sins. He carried all of our sins. By his wounds, we are truly healed. We have no fear for death because the resurrection awaits us. And there'll come a day when we all don't wake up. And then we're just asleep, waiting for you to send Jesus back to say, come on home. So fathers, we share in this cup, I pray that we will reflect again on the sacrifice that Jesus made that is so special and so eternal. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. My blessings and prayers upon us all as we continue to celebrate the resurrection today. In the name of Jesus, may his, his wounds truly provide healing in your life. May he truly bring healing to you. By his wounds, we are healed. Ken, lead us in prayer. Father our God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing of being here. We pray you are glorified. And 
that, Father, that we've been encouraged and lifted up. And, Father, we pray that we leave here with the Easter message in our heart, that, Father, we daily live the idea of, of a resurrected life. Father, we pray that you bless us this day and that you dismiss us in peace and grace and safety. In Christ's name, amen.